This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking The Tomorrow War. You're saying they built a time machine in the future? We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi, how are you? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topics. This is episode 458. 458. We're recording this tomorrow. Today! (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've done that joke for like uh, half a decade. I do it silently to myself like all the time. Uh, every so often. Especially when a movie like this is coming thing. out. It's been a while. <laughs> I mean, well, that's easy. I mean, that's nope, nobody really picks up on it. <laughs> anyway, this week we're talking The Tomorrow War and more. Uh, we got, there's a number of releases out this week. We'll mainly discuss The Tomorrow War, the new sci-fi alien invasion time travel war movie. Don't get enough of those starring uh, Chris Pratt. Uh, but there's also some other things that we'll get to uh, soon enough. But first up, joining us to discuss the Tomorrow War, we have from Forbes. He's traveled back from the future to warn people about how the launch of Netflix VR backfires and tries to destroy the world. It's Scott Mendelson. They've already destroyed the world. Netflix has won. The war's <laughs> over. Excuse me. Neo Scott, did it. Thank you for trying to warn us. <laughs> Neo did it. The war's <laughs> over. Zion, the war's <laughs> over. <laughs> Who's this anonymous Mary, white boy that's, that's yelling us at us right now? <laughs> we should and, just start saying carols. Yeah. Scott, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well. Um, jokes aside, I will admit that I did enjoy Fair Street 1994, Netflix's latest movie of the week. Hmm. And yes, it was supposed to be Fox, but I'll try not to be grouchy about that. I, uh, I like that added color that you had to it. I, I liked one of your tweets that you wrote about like, well, oh yeah, Allie loves the streaming, it. The streaming wars thing, where it's like these are movies that are made not for Netflix directly. Netflix just purchased them for distribution. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's frankly, it's important distinction. Yeah, I can't. And I'm you know, the, there's yeah. been a number of times, you know, I watched Elena Holmes for the first time last year. Like, this is a mm-hmm. solid picture. Blah 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 blah. I do my you know little research. Oh, this is. Skydance. This was supposed to be or legendary. This was supposed to be Warner Brothers. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's it's it's. I thought it was fine. Uh, Allie liked it a lot, which is always a pleasant surprise when she actually gets <laughs> into a piece of conventional pop culture that isn't some bonkers bananas anime. And I say that with with all sincerity. We'll, we'll get back to this because we'll, I want we'll to talk to more, about, more about more about Street. But uh, no, Scott, glad glad you are here to to. Uh, Discuss all this stuff with us because we got you got a lot of things to go over. But uh, first, let's get to some uh, let's get to some some show notes here. First, uh, happy Fourth of July. Uh, we're recording this a couple days before. This will probably come out a few days after. But everyone, I just hope everyone had a safe Independence Day. I guess. Yeah. Hopefully, the aliens did not invade. Yeah, I mean, it'll right be... now they're setting their pieces like chess pieces. <laughs> It'd be a great twist if that happened. Did, did we... Yeah, we need <laughs> Jeff Goldblum to say they're using our satellites against us. <laughs> By this point, that's a lot of satellites they'd be using against us. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know if people don't realize how many satellites we have just hovering around our universe, our planets. <laughs> like it's it's a regular octopus's garden up there. I mean, but, well, uh, it's minus one because the Fast Nine guys blew one up last week. Yeah, they got that. They got that one out of the way. They got one. They got yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Independence Day. Um, what else? Uh, it is a new month. 
um, which means that we will have a new commentary track coming soon. We have a lot of options. We haven't decided on one as of yet, but there are a lot yeah. number of films, notable films, celebrating the 30th and 25th anniversaries and other related things. So we'll, we'll get back to this, but there's there's some cool stuff coming, I, I assure you. Is there a Shyamalan film that floats your boat? Well, I mean, that's it's certainly a possibility. We talked about Unbreakable <laughs> in the past, but, um, you know, there's always room for more. But Yeah, The Village. <laughs> it's, it's not impossible to talk about the village. <laughs> but, uh, I will say the happening is fun to talk about. You're not is that wrong. Mark Wahlberg? Yes. Okay. Uh, of the Shyamalan films I've shown the kids so far, that's been their favorite. Of course it is. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> kids movie is what you're saying. They, they, no, they just really want to figure out the math wrong. puzzle. They want to figure out that math puzzle that John Leguizamo yeah. was trying to tell. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what else? Summer Gamble. Uh, Scott, you're a part of the Summer Gamble. Of course, this is where we predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. This is actually a rare July 4th weekend where there's not like a huge movie opening in theaters. Um, unless you count the Forever Purge, I guess. So um, I guess Boss Baby 2 is in theaters technically, right? Which did make some major yes. waves in our, all our standings as far as <laughs> since, it re- since it's essentially replaced Hotel Transylvania 4. Uh, which got moved to uh, October. Close to the top for me, so that kind of messed me up. So I, I, uh, I, I mean, we're recording this pretty early, so we don't even have a box office thoughts on what happened with anything this weekend. But regardless, uh, that movie did open. It's also streaming on Peacock. Um, so we'll see. Exactly. Early, early numbers says it's going to do fine, but it's certainly not going to affect the rankings. We'll see. um what else i think yeah that's it for um for show notes here so let's uh let's move on let's do it let's get to some out now quickies trademark trademark thank you um (laughs) all right Uh, (laughs) since we already started kicking this off with fear street let's talk about fear street a little bit so fear street part one talk about it colon 1994 has arrived this week this is the R, this is based off the R.L. Stein Fear Street series. Uh, it is a three-part trilogy that was filmed simultaneously. And yes, as mentioned before, it was previously going to be released month by month when it was still under Fox's banner. But that all changed. Netflix threw money at it. Now it's a week-by-week event, uh, with the first one being 1994. And the following weeks will have 1978. And of course, the natural progression, 1666. That's the last chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, they're, they're doing Back to the Future style. They're going even further back into the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. But uh, so Scott, you're saying you saw the first one, and, and uh, at least Ali enjoyed it. What 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 did you think? I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I when I you know it's one of those situations where it's like I feel I have to explain why I didn't love it, but there's nothing aggressively wrong with it. It just it's a mm-hmm. solid little slasher picture. Um, it's a little narratively claustrophobic here and there. Um, I think it ends well. It's, you know, it's very nice. And again, it makes me grouchy. This wasn't a theatrical release. You have a mainstream genre film where just for shits and giggles, the main character is gay. Um, and the core romance is a same sex one. Um, again, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that we should have been having 20 years ago before, you know, Deadpool fever took over Hollywood. Um, having said that it, it, I think it struggles a little bit to be, you know, a straight slasher versus a supernatural horror film. It wasn't um, it both ways, it seems. Yes. Which I, I honestly, I, I like the novelty because it's like, well, I don't get that very often as far as yeah. that kind of thing just goes. Um, and it was, and this isn't even a criticism. It was just thoughts that I had. It's like, this is weird. 
I'm, you know, I'm 41 and, you know, I'm watching a movie that's supposed to make me nostalgic for a movie I saw that I was 16, which in turn was supposed to make me nostalgic for a movie that I saw when I was eight. Because, <laughs> I mean, Scream was supposed to was a homage, you know, an homage to the 80s slasher pictures. Mm-hmm. This film is very much both in terms of, of construction and, and sensibilities and obviously the time period is a, is a homage to Scream. So it's sort of nostalgia for nostalgia. Yeah, and uh, I mean that that kind of not necessarily takes it down for me because I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like I like the movie, yeah. I like the movie fine, but I do think it provides an intriguing setup for the next one. Yes, which I've also seen, but I won't talk about yet. Uh, but the uh, I'm, do- I'm doing the podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the the, te- the embargo is technically not allowed for me to do anything yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. But, that um, too. But I. It making like you know like it's like doing a copy of a copy right so it's like how do you it makes me wonder like if I was younger would I appreciate this more but then again would I necessarily get what it's trying to do as someone that's younger that hasn't necessarily seen all the stuff that it's trying to do it's like this weird mm-hmm. like nebulous zone but at the same time compared to something like like Ryan Murphy's what Screen Queens or like things yeah. like that where it seems very I don't know. Arch. Arch More is a good word. Nose. Yeah, very mm-hmm. on the note like that. Like this is better than that. Like I appreciate yeah, what this I mean, is doing okay. more. But it I, takes it. It takes its story seriously. In a it way does. That I don't yes. Think it knows how to do. That's that's very fair. That's a fair way to put it. And I, I will say this: what I like about it, even though it's like technically an R-rated movie, this very much works like gateway horror. This very much yes. feels like the kind okay. of thing where like kids that grew up with goosebumps can graduate to watching a movie like this effectively and be you know fine with it. Like it's. It's it's R-rated in the way that, like, I don't know, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League is R-rated, where it's like, it doesn't have to be R. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just because they added more stuff that it has to, that it's R now. But it's like, it's not like it's, you know, going out. Of, it, it's th- it's going out of its way as far as it wants to make it seem that way, as opposed to it naturally feels like it's R-rated. Yeah. Like, like, even, like, mm. sh- certain shot choices or just, like, the general aesthetic screams a movie that could easily be no pun intended screams a movie that could have been intended to be pg-13 <laughs> but just happens to have like a few more gore shots and a few like f-bombs dropped to be like yeah it's r like because yeah. who cares it's be it's on streaming like that's what it feels like but yeah and, and, and you know allison enjoyed it quite a bit actually she very much wants to see the next one and to be fair she's seen the, the saw film so she's this isn't her first horror film um but you know, as I, I, you know, whenever this comes up, you know, longtime listeners, readers, whatever, she is not someone that easily gets into conventional pop culture. Mm-hmm. So for something to get her interest this much is a big deal. You got a real hipster on your hands, it seems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, she liked it so much I had to double check to make sure it wasn't an anime. Uh, is this like a other Demon Slayer thing? No, this is a real movie. But yeah, I, when does the uh, second part come out? Next week, the week from now. Next, oh, so it's just it's, every week. It's is literally yeah, every, yes. every week. It. Okay. Like it, and yeah. like I, I do. I mean, you, Scott, you mentioned the story takes itself seriously. That is true. Like it's still designed to be like fun. Like these are fun. Yeah. These are, you know, it's, it's R.L. Stein. Like, it's not, you know, yeah. it's not meant to be, like, it's self-serious. It's not hardcore Christopher Pike. Exactly. But right. at the, but, I, <laughs> but in that realm, as far as the story. The 90s concerned, are calling, guys. They really want their, they really want their authors back. They want their songs <laughs> back, too, because this film is chock full of 90s songs. Is it full of needle drops? <laughs> it's mean, full it of needle drops. the Cruella of the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I Can't mean, wait to hear the new Radicals. It's not a, 
I, I, it's 94, so we didn't get there. Oh, but. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's it, 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 when you hear that Tori Amos. It, to, it towed the line because it played Bush's Machine Head. It was like, that's late 94, but I'll allow it, I guess. But uh, anyway. But, I, but I, what I was going to say is I, I do like the ambition of this is going to lead to another thing. I like how it sets that yes. up. Like, that's, you know, for something like this that could easily be throwaway, it's like, well, at least it's pulled you in enough. So. Oh, and I, I say this as a compliment. But the the very slight spoilers, the film ends with a preview of what is coming next. Mm-hmm. And it gave me very positive Back to the Future 3 vibes. Oh, I'll just say yeah, that's fair. That, that, is a, that is a fair assessment. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, all right. So that, that's Fear Street Part 1. That's on Netflix now. Uh, I'm going to bring up another movie. We'll just kind of go back and forth because there's just a bunch of stuff. Uh, the Forever Purge, or as I'm calling it, Purge 5 Eva. Um, it has arrived this week. <laughs> That's also on Peacock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, eventually. Yes. I mean, it will be. Yeah, it will be eventually. It's universal. <laughs> but, um, this is of course. Well, this is technically the fifth Purge movie. Um, it fall. It it's coming after a break due to the two season U.S. or sci-fi sci-fi series. Uh, they're both. Uh, owned. No, I, I think it was USA. Is it USA? They're both owned by yeah. the same people. But yeah, the the two season series that's supposedly not bad. Actually, it's supposedly like better than some of the movies, which I don't think is too hard. But regardless, this is the fifth <laughs> film picking up after Purge Election Year, the third film, because of course, as all of us Purge obsessives know, the first Purge was the previous film, which was set before all the Purges. Uh, so, so this movie. Is the one where Han died? Yeah, Han died, and it, 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 it caught <laughs> it up. It, got, up it was to all it. an illusion. It caught up to it. So this one, because I want, because I feel like we need to. I feel like we've talked about all these Purge movies on this podcast. So I feel like I, I need to like so recap off, yeah. what's happened. So like at this point, after Purge Election Year. There, what Elizabeth Mitchell was elected president, right? In this, in that, in that optimistic future where the woman becomes the president and the bad guys don't become president. Um, it's uh, it was really optimistic for that movie compared to reality. <laughs> well, the the idea there was that they they like disband this they disbanded the purge, right? That's how that movie ended. Scott, am I right? Is that how what happened? Yes. They, yeah, I mean, she, it was, it she was, was elected, and they disbanded the purge. Like, we gotta get rid of this. It's not what you think it is. It's actually about just killing brown people. Like, that's that's the idea of the purge. Um, well, in the forever purge, picking up a couple years or a few, I guess, after her presidency, so at least four years later, now the like a new there was a new election, and basically the bad guys won, and the purge was brought back again uh because that's <laughs> because creator of the purge james demonico wrote the purge election year thinking that things would never happen the way they did in america and now he's writing with a clear mind yeah. thinking nope things actually happened that way so i'm going to make the movie reflect this so, <laughs> so now we have this so Art this imitates life mm-hmm. <laughs> so this movie picks up it's focused more on the on the mexican texas border area and it's mm-hmm. it's closely aligned to immigration and we follow a Mexican couple escaping Mexico at the beginning of the movie to get into America, and they make it. And then, like a year later, one of them's working on a ranch with Will Patton and semi-racist Josh Lucas, and like having a good time. And uh, the 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 his wife, uh, played by Ana de la Recuera, who was in Army of the Dead, uh, she's like working as mm-hmm. like a like on a. Is she like a hospital or something? Like something like nice because like they're good people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, purge happens and they're safe. Like, cool. We made it to the purge. We had protection, all that. The day breaks. And guess what? There are a bunch of 
very elaborately masked, because that's the Purge, uh, people that have decided it's the forever Purge now. They don't care when the Purge is. We're always purging. Gonna purge nonstop. Rules are mm-hmm. rules don't apply anymore. And so all these basically white people go attack everybody that's not white because they want to make America pure again. Um, that, because that's Is that actually a phrase that's said in the movie? More or less. I believe they say okay. something like that. And, yeah. and, and as, as they all are very aware, that's how America always was. It was always white, and then it got taken over. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, that's, so now our heroes, uh, uh, they need to escape to Mexico to get away from these people that are causing the purge. Uh, this movie, um, I did not like it. Um, I... I I really wish like I liked that first movie and appreciated the other movies because I really like what they've done where they've slowly evolved into being more and more clear on what the purpose of this whole thing was. At this mm-hmm. point though for me, I think it just hammers down on the message like way too hard in a, at a in a way where it's just it's preaching to the choir and I feel like it makes its message clear about 20 minutes in so it's like the rest of it's just an action horror thing except the action's not very good the 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 kind of scope of it is kind of lackluster and the acting is pretty bad like i think the leads are fine but like i've seen some of these people do things before and they're not exactly delivering their best work here so i i Mm. ultimately i wasn't too into the forever purge and that does that's not too much of a surprise because i haven't been into much of these movies like i kind of just gave in on the election year because it's like all right but even like even the first purge is like eh, we're kind of back to not really caring. But Scott, where are you with the Forever Purge? Oh, uh, I I like these films in general. Um, I frankly I think because the sequels expanded on their premise to the extent that they did, mm-hmm. the first one plays a little bit better in retrospect, where it's sort of like a prologue. Fair. That still finds a way to tell its home invasion story in a way that's specific to its premise. Um, and yes, when it first came out, we were all like, oh, you know, this is just you know, scraping the surface. It's just a home invasion film. But now that there's been, you know, four other movies that you know, went for it, I can enjoy and appreciate the first one more for its comparatively limited, you know, its its, its limited goals. I would say um, I'd be happy to go back, but it's like, do I really want to spend like 90 minutes just to be like, oh, it's marginally better? Like, but I respect what you're saying because I don't disagree. It, it I probably... was stuck in a car for a while. It was like, <laughs> <you got it. laughs> um, but and I, I've always appreciated Anarchy, which to me was the, hey, I think it's the best of the series, and I think it's the fullest recreation of that concept as a big broad there's eight million people in this city and these are a few stories on purge type type things um election year i like uh i think there's it's some it sometimes drifts into becoming a universal studios you know haunted horror nights scene this this movie's um, the most like that forever purge this movie oh, really it's, it's, it's very smoke. it's very repetitive i mean it kind of does there's yes. like there's like yeah. scenes of them just in the city and there's like random fires and they're like, yeah. oh, i lost you where'd you go and then it's like oh no it's a purge guy <laughs> ah. <laughs> but i do like the extent of these films to a certain extent play in genre a little bit you know the, the second one the first one was home invasion film the second one was sort of a you know the warriors type that kind of sprawling gang action picture yada 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 the third one was obviously you know die hard meets london has fallen uh while making the politics even more explicit than usual and then the fourth one which again was the first one after the trump election where you know it's 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 
And again, I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But I genuinely think that, that DeMonico intended the third one as a finale with the assumption that, you know, progress would tilt ever upwards. Uh, I don't think his choice to make what's now the forever purge, which, hey, look, there's another purge, is disingenuous, I think. And one of the things I like about the film is that it almost sort of skips over the whole, oh, wait, we're doing the purge again, because that almost feels how it would be. It's it's weird how I mean this movie was delayed from a year because of the pandemic, yeah. but it comes out at a time where it's more relevant, which is both yeah. incredibly it's, sad, but also like well that's fitting I guess. Uh, well, I mean it's it's on one hand you know having you know before I saw it I thought okay this one is obviously focused on Hispanic Americans is it going to feel relatively speaking here oh is it out of date because now. You know, frankly, unfortunately, you know, Asian Americans are the newest, everyone's favorite target for, you know, racism. Um, but this one was obviously playing a different game and which it, you know, it, it, it's without going into too many details, it turns into what if the events in January 6th never stopped? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, yes, it's a, it's, in that sense, it's a terrifying picture. Right. Uh, you, you are right. It is repetitive. It, it does get most of its story told in the first act. Um, maybe the first 50 minutes, if I'm being generous, the first half. I do like that, you know, by nature of its structure, it gets the purge stuff all done in the first act. I so I, it's sort of I like that too because one of my biggest issues with, with the purge is, in general, is the premise as far as how does this work with crime? Like, what happens at yeah. like it's okay for 24 hours? Like, what happens at like trains are silly? What happens at like 8:02 when the whistle when the sirens go off and you're like standing there, you know, with an axe in your hand in front of this guy? Yeah. and it's like your neighbor and he's like, I guess we'll just call it a draw for now. Like, what does that mean? Like, how does this? Yeah, work? I mean, like you know, or Scott, you pointed which goes off. Scott, you pointed there, there needs to be a peacock show, Law and Order Purge. <laughs> well, I, like, I feel like that's probably what the TV series tries to explore, but I haven't yeah. seen enough of it to really know. Never got into it. But yeah. like Scott, you've pointed this out many times as far as like business, like business yeah. related schemes and like how that plays yeah. as far as like you keep the money. Tax or, fraud. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, or just, you know, piracy. Mm-hmm. Does yeah, does the series kind of just like still stay true to itself though, and say like, hey man, we're just trying to make a, a social, uh, we're trying yes. to call out a social problem would, with all the movies, and it stays on brand. It's just like variations of I, it that for, are better and worse than the other. For others. me, I would say it stays on brand in the same way the Saw films do, where it's like none of these don't feel like it's part of the not part okay. of the series. I just don't really like the series. <laughs> like, that's, Got it. Like, for, the oh. the aesthetic for me is just kind of like junkie has this idea it's a neat idea i wish it did more with it or i wish i it it melded more with my sensibilities but scott i think you're a little more positive obviously uh, i am and i think part of that is just because in a time when when we have a lot fewer smaller pictures that can be political just for the hell of it and then the big pictures seem to be wanting gold medals for having a lay you know a a, a layer of discourse that would have been barely controversial in the 1940s. Oh no, Sam got denied a business loan. Ah, um, I kind of love these, I mean, this franchise is unapologetically unsettled. Fuck you. This is the big issue of our time and we're going to make a big movie about it. And we're not going to shield it in metaphor and fantasy and, Oh, the, right. the deer is a metaphor for LGBT rights or, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, it just, it, they just they lay know. it all out there. Yeah, they it's, yeah. it's it's it's. And I remember there's, there's assholes in America. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of like rage. Uh, and we're just gonna let it get out somehow. I feel like I think one of the interesting things about the pictures, you know, I, I I did watch all four of them beforehand for the first time since you know I don't really see them each once. There's almost something weirdly optimistic about the pictures in that if you and this is more obvious I think in part two and part four, which is that most people don't purge. Hmm. Most people choose to you know not, and there's always sort of an underground effort to boost up the you know to make it look more popular and more busy than it actually is. I, I like to think that Edwin Hodge's character was too busy in the Tomorrow War to be in this purge movie. <laughs> he was too busy in the future to uh, help out with the Forever Purge. <laughs> but I think what, what the Forever Purge is going for is sort of, you know, the overall message is, yes, most people are good, but it doesn't matter if, if the you know, the bad guys can't be stopped. Right. I'll, I'll say this. And I, I think Josh I, Lucas's character, who is one of those, you know, kind of sort of racist, but kind of sort of not a bad guy. You know, I don't think he's remotely portrayed as a white savior, but I think the point is that even if he is a white savior, well, he can't do much because too bad. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say this about this, and then we'll move on because I know, but um, yeah. I, I think there, you know, if you really want to go for it, it's like, I don't know, like there's nothing like I would inherently say that would fix this franchise for me or whatnot. It's just not necessarily doing it for me, but I would say if there was an entry that focused on one of, if you want to talk about like you know, people that purge, put one of these in the in the eyes of those people. Give me like the Hostile Two version of this, where you watch it from the other side of things. Oh, interesting. Where you really, where, where you see the mindset of one of these people that wants to purge and yeah. see what and see that see you know see like the twelve hour night period through his eyes. And right. it will be his because come on um <laughs> and, and show, give me the michael myers behind the two eye hole masks show, show me show me that side of the film that there's there i feel like there's something and especially i mean it's a big franchise you could probably do that and i mean i'm and again the tv series probably has that to some degree but for a movie i feel like that might be something that would that would garner more out of me as far as if you really want to show someone going for it and not have a you know a happy ending just because there's a way to do it but you know that that's just an idea. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, films informed by uh, racial tensions, what have you? There's another movie that also came out this week that we can talk about now. It's called No Sudden Move. Um, mm-hmm. This is the new Steven Soderbergh film. It's an HBO Max original. It premiered at Tribeca, um, and now it's available to stream for all. It features a number of people because it's one of these two tiers of credit of names on the on the poster movies. <laughs> so you got um. <laughs> Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, John Hamm, Amy Simetz, Brendan Fraser as Cindy Greenstreet, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jupe, Julia Fox, Frankie Shaw, Ray Liotta, Bill Duke, and uh, another person that's not built. I won't what a cast! <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's quite the cast. It's written by Ed Solomon, who many might know as the writer of the, the Bill and Ted franchise, but he's also worked with Soderbergh before. He worked on the show, or in the experimental series Mosaic, which I thought was really interesting, which tends to be the case with with um, uh, Soderbergh in general. He also wrote the Now You See Me movie, so I'm not mistaken, right? He wrote, yeah, he wrote, yeah, he wrote those. Uh, but regardless, big twisty crime thriller set in 1954 Detroit. Um, it involves, well, Don Cheadle, he plays a guy that just got out of jail. He's a small, he's a kind of a small time criminal. He is recruited by Brendan Fraser's character, who's kind of this middleman who recruits him along with two others, played by Del Toro and and um, and Kieran Culkin, uh, to pull off a job where. Two of them will sit tight with David Harbour's character's family while one of them takes David Harbour to his work so they can steal some kind of document. 
things go wrong for a variety of reasons. And most of the film becomes about Cheadle and Del Toro specifically trying to get something out of the scenario and not be shot in the face. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think this movie is a lot of fun. Um, it, you can call it a crime thriller, but there's enough like dark humor in this and just ideas going around that I just found to be kind of fascinating as well as enjoyable to like watch unfold. Like it's set in fifties Detroit. So there's a, there's a lot of history around that involving black bottom neighborhoods and various uh, housing rights going on that were basically forcing minorities out and bringing the whites in. Um, and there's also stuff involving the automotive industry that gets a big huh. push uh, as the film goes on. You figure out more and more about what this plot is. That said, for a plot like this, there's a lot going on, but it's not necessarily convoluted. Not like I, I was reminded of like Miller's Crossing or like big sleep where those are movies where their plots are impenetrable without watching them multiple times where this movie it's pretty like you get the idea of what's happening there's just a lot happening um but it's carried by this fantastic cast um it has a lot of like Soderbergh sensibilities which includes very awkward camera angles and wide angles that make the film almost appear like fisheye lens at times which to me just makes it feel like Soderbergh's like forcing you to to pay attention because of how awkward some of the shots look you're like i guess i need to really pay attention to what's happening because i just like seeing characters on opposite sides of the screen that look warped is like certainly grasping my mind right now but uh, i i had a lot of fun with this scott where where were you with no sudden move i had a delightful time watching this picture um i thought it was i as far as the plot it was one of those plots where there were times where I wondered, uh-oh, am I losing the, you know, am I losing the plot? But by the end of the movie, you realize, okay, no, I really did understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it was almost like it had the, the, I don't want to say illusion because that's a strong word, but the perception of, you know, of, of being more complicated than it was. Yeah. And that's fine because the journey is enjoyable. Um, and that's kind of the point without going to details, but in terms of how it wraps up. Um and yeah, it's an acting treat. You know, you have Brendan Fraser playing someone against type. You've got, you know, Don Cheadle in an old school star vehicle. Same thing with Del Toro. I mean, again, it's all these actors that in the quote unquote olden days, these would be the kind of movies they'd make because they were movie stars. And these are the kind of movies movie stars used to make. David Harbour, uh, I think, is particularly pretty good here. Oh, where, he's especially because like, we've we both just saw him in Black Black Widow this week, and he's playing a very big role. Where this he's playing this kind of quirky role where the film, it's not afraid to shift perspectives for a while, and it gives a good chunk to David Harbour trying to do a thing, which is a mix of, like, sad as well as hilarious, and it's yeah. pretty—it's no, really it's, effective. It's, um, No, he's as good as I remember him being, at least in a movie that I can think of offhand. Um, and that's not, you know, it, he's very he's very good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way they balance in terms. The tone is very light, even though there's always the threat of peril. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is some violence. Um, but you know, yeah, it's 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 exactly what you think it's going to be. But that's a good thing. It. Uh, that makes sense. What was that movie that came out last year? That was like the crime period thing that was on netflix it had a bunch of people robert pattinson was the, the delusions or, or... oh 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 that that thing, the devil inside or the devil the, the devil 
devil something. Oh, God. Devil all the time? Devil all the time. That's right. That's mm. what it is. When's the devil? All the time. The devil all the time. Uh, <laughs> that's a movie that felt like it, it It wanted to be more like something like this as far as what's this plot trying to be? Look at all this, this sprawling cast. What's it ultimately going to amount to? Not a whole lot. Like, this feels like a good version of it. And I didn't hate that movie, but it was just like, that movie was a lot. <laughs> like, it really, it was <laughs> trying way too it hard. It was trying really hard. It was very nihilistic. Oh, you don't mean it was just very long? It was, it was just... it was very long too, if I recall. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but because it had like because it was like spanning decades and stuff and all that, but and also just really unsavory in moments. But you know, this one, not that there's like a direct connection, but as far as like period crime thrillers go, I feel like this is a lot more successful just because of well, because Steven Soderbergh just a, he's really good at this kind of thing. But I think it just has the right moves as far as how to like make this all come together in a way that's satisfying um, in what you kind of want out of something like this. Um, you know, I, w- watching it, I was reminded of what I know it's a cliche to quote Roger Ebert, so forgive me. But when he was reviewing Cape Fear, he said something effect of, you know, most directors would ennoble themselves, establish or ennoble themselves by making a movie this good. And that's how I felt about Sodenberg. It's like, you know, it's a terrific picture. But for Soderbergh, it's, it almost feels like a Tuesday. Yeah. And I think that's how he approached it, frankly. You know, it was just, you know, I want to have fun. Yeah, it, it has like Ocean's 12 vibes in that manner yeah. where it's like he could go to Europe and shoot these guys, you know, as plain as he wants to. But instead, yeah. he's like, I'm going to use like crazy lenses and weird angles and go for the quirk to go along with this surefire hit that is all of these actors are back again in a high sequel that you liked the first time. This movie, I mean, obviously it's not writing off IP, but it does have so much benefit of the doubt as far as, look at this great cast, and it's a crime thriller thing. That's fun for a streaming audience. I'm also going to just put awkward cameras in places. Like, it just has <laughs> Soderbergh being like, yeah, I can I can knock this out and have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no sudden move. A lot of fun. Uh, that's on HBO Max now. Um, cool. let's see. I think that's, yeah, that's it for the big stuff. I'll just mention real quick. Uh, I'm not going to, I'll just say this one thing. The Underground Railroad. I finished it. Barry Jenkins streaming series, mm-hmm. mini limited series on Amazon. It's going to be like the most cinematic thing you could like see this year that nobody's going to talk about because Amazon quietly released it, not week by week, <laughs> which they should have done. And it will, <laughs> it, it'll maybe get like Emmy's attention, but sadly it's just not gonna get nearly as much credit as it deserves because it's fantastic in every way <laughs> but um highly recommend uh, if it yeah <clears throat> abe what have you been watching you guys covered all of it i saw none of those but i'm going to <laughs> okay i have been keeping up with uh loki and it's uh i'm actually like one episode behind but uh intriguing so far and so i'm sure that everybody's been watching it and uh, I, like still, you, still... I like how you, you lied about Loki to us. How mischievous of you. You're keeping up with it, <laughs> but you're an episode behind. Which is it, Abe? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. That's, like, that's like me asking the that's waiter mischief. for the spoon. <laughs> um, and then I also um, uh, is still the same place with Cool Hand Luke. So no no movement there. Ah, I, I thought I, I thought I heard raw. I thought I heard differently that you finished Cool Hand Luke, but no, that's no. not the case. <laughs> what, a, what a strange ongoing saga that we have here of Abe will eventually finish be... this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it'll it'll be the uh, the most talked about thing in podcasting uh, for 2021. We'll put we'll put it in the in the podcast post. That's of course the yeah. New York based. We're podcast going magazine. to submit it for an award. Yeah, I mean we could do that. Find these clips, edit them together, <laughs> submit it for a Webby. That'd be, that'd be something. When did Abe actually finish the movie? <laughs> 
All right. Well, I do look forward to you finishing Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Um, when I do, I'll, I'll I'll either be effusing praise or, uh, uh, you know, just being like, what a waste of six months of my life. That that'd be an impressive couple. I missed here. Abe Abe started Cool Hand Luke <laughs> several months a couple months ago now. Um, oh, I think it, we, I think it's been like 47 days now. <laughs> we we all, the all of us that have heard this are very aware that Cool Hand Luke is a classic and seems like a movie that you wouldn't that you wouldn't stop watching. And yet that's what Abe has done. And now we're waiting for him to finish the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, I got I got sidetracked by doing some things. Okay. Not not that I wasn't bored by it. I love seeing Paul Newman on the screen. Because that led me down to the Road to Perdition thing, which is why I watched Road to Perdition. You know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So in between Paul Newman movies, you watched a full Paul Newman movie. Yes. Let alone a, let alone a lesser Paul Newman movie. I mean, it should it should it. If we're going to lesser Paul Newman, then you got to do the Cars trilogy before you finish Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll get there. That was on Now Quickies. Trademark. Extended edition. It, it is, exactly. Let's uh, let's move on to some trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out. Well, we thought of it would have you. This movie, this trailer came out a few weeks ago, but now, but we haven't talked about it yet. It is for *Reminiscence*, the upcoming science fiction neo noir uh, from writer director Lisa Joy, um, who she and her husband Jonathan Nolan they've been working together on *Westworld* for the past few years. But this is her her, um, her directorial uh, debut, or at least her feature directorial debut. Um, it stars Hugh Jackman as a I mean, I know more of the premise than I would have liked, I think, because I like, went to Wiki. It's like, oh, that's more than I kind of needed to know. But like, yeah. he seems he seems to be in some kind of business similar, not too not too dissimilar from like Ray Fine in Strange Days, where he can set people up to like revisit memories, except mm-hmm. it's their own memories, I assume. Um, yes, he's it, doing his own drugs. In within this premise, you have Rebecca Ferguson as probably the femme fatale, uh, who. Be, has, becomes involved with Hugh Jackman in some way, and I assume various memory shenanigans bring back old uh, bad things from the past that they'll have to deal with. Uh, the film also features uh, Dandy Newton, Cliff Curtis, among other people. Uh, yeah. Uh, Abe, let's start with you. What did you think of the trailer for Reminiscence? Uh, to be honest, like the trailer was interesting in the first maybe like 30, 40 seconds, where I was like, hmm, this kind of feels like a... Um like a Bioshock kind of vibe where everything's kind of underwater or uh, I'm not really sure what to believe. And I think as the trailer went along, I was just like, I, I think you're giving me too much to try and think about. Um, ultimately it doesn't really do anything for me. It wasn't one of those trailers where like, I've got to go see this on opening night, even though I'm going to go see it on opening night so I can do the <laughs> podcast <laughs> a couple days later. Um, but I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, I, I think there's like some really good intrigue here. I don't know how I feel about uh, a Rebecca Ferguson and Wolverine romance, but I mean, we'll it's see. A, it's, how a re- it's a reunion they did it before. <laughs> With uh, what oh, the, no. the greatest show, greatest showman. <laughs> oh, sorry. It wasn't to be, of course, because he was happily married of his wife Michelle Williams, but, <laughs> but it was teased <laughs> out. After lack of trying, Rebecca. <laughs> Scott, where were you with reminiscence? I think it looks fine. It certainly looks better than Transcendence, which is sort of my go-to comparison point, unfairly. They're both sense uh, movies. Oh, yeah, I, like, I didn't what, realize what this. Did what, is the, yeah, what did this movie do to you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> How oh, much no. time do we have? <laughs> no, no. It's, um, 
again, it's one of those films that we all say that we want and see in theaters. It's going to come out in theaters. No one's going to see it because they're all liars. And they're going to whine that Warner <laughs> Brothers didn't market it well enough. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I would love to be wrong, but I, I don't think I am. <laughs> does, does Hugh Jackman sell, like, I'm trying to think, like, does, does Hugh Jackman sell much in general? Like, I obviously Greatest Showman's, like, an outlier. And obviously there's the, the Wolverine, but is he like a, has he been a draw? He's, he's a slight draw in an otherwise appealing package. I mean, obviously he didn't help, he didn't turn Pan into a hit, even though he's very good in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I want to say no, because generally speaking, the films that he's been in that were hits had something else going on. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even X-Men. I mean, the, you know, like, Swordfish was a big John Travolta action film with Halle Berry as a femme fatale. Um, Les Mis Rob was Les Mis Rob. Right. Um, he's, he's sort of an, you know, an added value element to an otherwise appealing IP. I'm trying to think of like his outright star vehicles, and I think of like what? Pri- even the Prisoners Prestige, and Prestige. Well, I mean, like, Australia, yeah, like, I guess, was a bomb also, was I believe. Uh, yeah, and, and yes, that was definitely one where he was like time traveling. Kate uh, Leopold? The Fountain? I think it's the Fountain. Well, the Fountain's like, I mean, that's like a small movie that happened to get a wide release. Like, yeah. Like... But that's an interesting question because, you, you know, I, I think about like the Chris Hemsworth trajectory too. It's like, I don't know what movies he's really carried that aside from like the Thor movies. Where I mean, none like, is the answer to your question. Hugh Jackman became enough of a star uh-huh. after the X-Men movies being plucked from total obscurity. That sort of became the pattern that Hollywood was trying to mimic for the next 10, 15 years that they were trying to, you know, take these unknown characters, actors, throw them in a franchise and that franchise was successful. And hey, look, we've got a movie star. And it barely worked for Hugh Jackman, and it really hasn't worked for anyone else. Mm-hmm. All due respect to you know Orlando Bloom. Um, you could argue that maybe, maybe sort of, you, you could argue that women may have had Mark a better women may yeah. have had a better like, hand at that in, in recent years. I can think of like I don't know like Jennifer Lawrence or so like uh, people that yeah. like, actually broke Who's out. Like, Who have broken out of the yeah yeah right. even as far as like star vehicle leading people yeah. Uh, no, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, that's another one. You know, Tandy Newton, or, or is that how you still pronounce her name? I know she changed the spelling. I think she's changing it, yeah. Right. Apologies if I pronounced it wrong. Right. I love the Mission Impossible too. Um, you know, she is well, she is known, but she's not a butts and seats draw. Rebecca Ferguson's not some, not a butts and seats draw. I think Hugh Jackman is limited in that sense. So I'd love to be wrong, but you know, this is the kind of film. Over the last five or six years, everybody says they want, but then don't, you know, don't show up. Yeah, I, as far as my thoughts on the trailer goes, like I dig the vibe. Like this is a movie. This is a movie yeah. that's all about vibes right. for me. As far as the trailer goes, I like like the music they're going with. I I like the look of things. I like this. It was strange days came to mind. It's not like like uh, aesthetically, it's not the same. But as far as the tone, it's like I get it. This kind of like seemingly. It's slightly in the future, but like very relevant setting and whatnot. Except mm-hmm. it's like it's like Miami, I believe, and it's flooded. And like that's that's neat. I, I haven't seen yeah. that specifically, especially with neo noir, very often. So that's a cool like idea. Is I I don't you know I can't tell you much about the story because the movies the trailer's not showing me much story beyond basic premise stuff involving memories or whatnot. So it's like if it's gonna if it's a movie based off like this is the 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 kind of atmosphere we're going for. I'm into that. I, mm-hmm. I I as far as an original film goes from uh, you know a filmmaking team that seems reliable enough like cool like i hope that works out to the best that it can 
uh, I mean, whether, you know, tracking success chances, I completely agree with Scott as far as, yeah, it's a late August release that's been moved a couple of times for the pandemic and because Warner Brothers has a ton of movies they need to release this year because of all the things that got backed mm-hmm. up. It's like, all right, yeah, I get it. I get that you... Wait, wait, why did, why did all these movies get backed up? <laughs> Was, did I miss something? <laughs> you no. know, it's been, a, it's been a difficult few months for some people. Mm, got it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Word out your wish. <laughs> Zoltar, I blame you. But um yeah, I mean you know the if if the the batting score that I'm going for is better <laughs> the batting, the batting yeah. yeah, the batting average I'm going for is better than transcendence, like that's I I I just wanted to exceed that. I want if, yeah. <laughs> if you guys are comparing to transcendence, hopefully Berkeley did not ruin the the world again because that's what happens in Transcendence. And there's no real reason we should because it's not like this is you know it's not being promoted as from you know producer Christopher Nolan and whatnot. It's it's mm-hmm. it's not as direct in that way. It just happens to be a Nolan brother who's you know married to the director is you know a producer and on it or whatnot. But it's not like Wally Fister who's like oh Chris is finally giving me my big break here I got Johnny Depp in a movie and it can't go yeah. wrong <laughs> like it's a little different that's <laughs> what you get for sitting on my set <laughs> <laughs> that vindictive Chris Nolan <laughs> he remembers everything but uh yeah uh Reminiscence arrives in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously of course on August 20th later this summer all right well, that's been our trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for The Tomorrow War. Boy, they say kids never come by unless they need something. Dad, I need your help. I'll get my coat. 30 years in the future, we are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human, and we are losing. We need you to fight. I will be back. And I love you, Chickpea. Seven days from now, when you're sent into that war, you won't be fighting for your country. You'll be fighting for the world. Is it all right? Yeah. Going to war. Stop talking. Listen. Sorry, when I'm nervous, I talk. I'm like 97 on the nervous scale. That should be fun. Welcome to the future. You and your unit are now in 2051. They're everywhere. We are food, and they are hungry. Our enemy is smarter, faster, and stronger than you can possibly imagine. Do you want to see something really dangerous? I feel like literally that's all I've been doing since I got here, but okay. That should have been some of the trailer for The Tomorrow War. Initially set up as a major holiday release in 2020, Paramount's pattern of needing quick cash came again when it was announced they sold the film to Amazon Prime for $200 million. Well, this expensive blockbuster-inspired film features Chris Pratt as a family man slash biology teacher slash Iraq War veteran, a.k.a. The Special. Instead of getting the cushy science job he is after, he's recruited for war. But not just any war. Time travelers have arrived from 30 years in the future, alerting the population that aliens have invaded and are winning their war against humanity. Because of this, the solution is to bring soldiers and civilians to the future to help fight back. Will Pratt's special soldier be able to help end this war for good? Let's head to tomorrow to find out today. Scott, 
<laughs> what did you think? See, I had it baked in to my. I loved <laughs> it. I loved it. We're at the World's Fair. Scott, what did you think of the Tomorrow War? Uh, I very much enjoyed this picture. Um, I wish I could have seen it in a theater. I understand why Skydance took the money, even in a pre-COVID world, a in a wholly original, star-driven, concept-specific sci-fi adventure film is a at best a commercial coin toss in theaters. Um, you know, transcendence. Um, <laughs> no. um, having said that, it, it it's arriving as it does on basically the 25th anniversary of Independence Day is very bittersweet. It's not as good as Independence Day, don't get me wrong, but it does have that kind of scale and that scope and that sort of the gee whiz bubblegum mentality, where it's telling you know, a very dark story, you know, a doomsday story, basically, and it does absolutely acknowledge the stakes and acknowledges, you know, the, 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 the tragedy of its premise, but it's still a fun escapist adventure film. Um, it's got a big ensemble cast. Isn't quite playing in the Irwin, uh, the the, the Irwin Allen disaster template, but it's kind of on the edges of that, um, on the edge of tomorrow, perhaps. No, um, but as, as a movie, I, it's it's good. Uh, Chris McCain's is his first live action picture following directing the Lego Batman movie, and it's one of those pictures that it looks good. The special effects are solid. The cast does exactly what's needed of them, no more, no less. Um, it's a film where all the fundamentals, all the fundamentals are in place. Um, I don't think it's anything mind-blowing in terms of originality or, you know, cinematic construct, but it's just a good original picture. And it is fun, especially in this IP-driven time, to see an original film of this scale where you actually get to see the filmmaker's figuring out their premise and figuring out what the rules are or what rules can be bent or what the, the, the specific structure is. And without going into too many details, the trailers were surprisingly spoiler free. Mm. Um, the film takes its time setting up the thing that you came to see, which is Chris Pat going to the future to shoot at aliens. And then you get plenty of that, but there's other stuff going on too. It knows when that's about to get stale. Um, and I very much appreciate that about the film. Uh, th there's a point in the picture that's not quite toward the end where it's like, this feels like the end of this movie, but there's still a lot more left. And I have no idea what's going to come next. And that was very exciting. Um, and Chris Pat is good. It's, you know, it's a meat and potatoes star vehicle. Um, he's not trying to, both as a character and in terms of his performance, he's not trying to be more than he actually is. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I've been rambling, so I let somebody else talk. It's just a <laughs> damn good movie. Yeah. Abe, where are you with the Tomorrow War? You know, it, it's really interesting because I, I'm in agreement with Scott that I did enjoy this movie. And I think that we enjoyed it for similar reasons, yet different reasons. Um, I think that what really is interesting about this movie is that it is quite long. I remember Aaron was texting me. He's like, hey, man, we're going to watch this movie. And I was like, how long is it? He's like, it's two hours and 20 minutes. And I was like, oof. Um, but what this movie, what I think this movie does kind of expertly is sort of what Scott was alluding to. There's almost like two halves of a movie in this. And that actually makes it feel shorter 
and it actually kind of makes it feel like it's more compelling when you're going through this. The other thing I, I also definitely agree with Scott on is like it, there's just not a whole lot of exposition. Like they don't sit there and talk to you about like, oh, well, the future is this and this and this. They kind of do just to set it up, which I think is uh, kind of funny at times. Like I think this movie is like inadvertently funny, inadvertently hilarious at times because of the way that they are handling the script or the way that they're handling just key elements that they have to get to. Uh, but I think ultimately what I what I did like about this movie is that there for me, there was like a weird, strangely emotional connection that I that I I dug. I, I kind of uh, whatever happens to Chris Pratt in like the middle of the movie, I'm like, this is cool. Like, I definitely agree with Scott that there's he's not doing a character. He's not doing a Jurassic World like I'm a cool guy kind of thing. He's a, a dad, a science teacher, and he's kind of just he knows how to fight. But at the same time, like, it's it's not as though he's like. I'm the most badass guy here, and I say two words, and then you follow me or you, or come with me. Or you have to or come with me. Yeah, he's not Edward kind of Hodge. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's not <laughs> Edward Hodge. Exactly. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. Who was another character in the movie? But all that being said, I, I think that what works about this movie is that it is it doesn't go beyond what it needs to go beyond because it knows what it's trying to be, and even though everything that we've seen we're seeing in this movie is done better in other movies, maybe even like more of like a wide range of ideas um, in other movies, it still sticks its own landing, which I kind of really can can like applaud. Um, and I dig that about it. So it's, it's weird because it's not like a perfect movie. It looks expensive. Um, and it certainly isn't like, I don't think it's a movie that I, I, I would say that it's not going to win any Academy Awards, but um, it certainly knows who... It was made for, and it certainly I, I think like Chris McKay's vision of it is just like, no, this is the movie that I want to make, and I'm gonna make it, and it kind of actually works. So yeah, I am in, in agreement with Scott and and you. I mean, I I think this movie's a blast. <laughs> like I was, it's it's not that I didn't expect to, you know, I didn't walk in with my arms crossed or anything. I walked in thinking this, I like this premise. I want to see what this is. And, you know, Chris McKay, cool, like doing a live action movie. I want to see what that looks like. Right. Um, I'll jump away from that real quick to say I told my dad that I what this movie was. Um, and he was like, he, he was like, he, he started laughing at the premise, but also he's like, oh, that's actually pretty intriguing as far as the time travel <laughs> stuff went. He watched it this afternoon. Um, I didn't watch it with him. I just I noticed he was watching it. So at, by the end of it, he's like, this movie's good. Like, it's a little hokey, but it seems like it's trying to be. But I had a lot of fun. Right. That's exactly what this movie is. And yeah. I, I don't want to, like, put too much, like, resentment on what other what, you know, what others are saying. This movie currently is, like, mixed reviews, I believe. But it feels like there's a lot of cynical people out there that just don't want to accept the idea of an original blockbuster such as this anymore, which is a shame because it's like. I am a huge fan of Independence Day, among other movies that are similar to that, and that's a that's a pretty specific tone, but certainly a mass audience crowd pleaser. Like you've mentioned, this isn't as good as Independence Day, but it seems damn close as far as the kind of energy that you'd want to get from a movie like that. And I do miss the fact that I couldn't see this in theaters, because this movie would have played great, I think, in a theater full of people that are excited to see just a real escapist alien invasion action flick, because this absolutely delivers on that. Like Chris Pratt's not Will Smith as far as care. I mean, in that movie, doesn't even carried by him. He's just a massive part of energy that comes in it. But mm-hmm. there's certainly a lot of likable stuff in it. In addition to you know the action and the you know the drama of it all, there's a lot of like I like these people. 
like it does just enough to be like yeah chris pratt he's doing his thing like he's fine as a very you know he's he's playing the character he's spoofed several times already so it's kind of like okay that's a choice but i get it like fine he's in yeah. this and he's fine and he's good he, he does his job but then like sam richardson i think is a lot of fun uh, i think yvonne Stepowski has like a lot of good chemistry with pratt for the right reasons given who her character is right um you know and even like when you have smaller characters like you have uh, mary lynn Raskub and mike mitchell people that i know for comedy the fact that they're in this movie it doesn't like use them to like make fun of the fact that they're in this movie and when they right. exit the movie you actually care about them that's impressive <laughs> like, I, I yeah. was really into that fact that i was like i'm there's a I know I'm rambling, but like, there's a whole like action sequence at the towards the beginning of the like once they get to the future, and it's, I like that's what I knew like this movie's really working for me because it's like this is fun, but it's exciting, intense, and there's even emotional bits all within like this 20 minute segment of this movie where like it's chaos, and it's like mm -hmm. if that movie if this can re replicate that feeling for me throughout it, I'm gonna be in good shape, and it did. Like, it sags a little in the middle because of, like, yay, science for a while. It's like, okay, that's, like, I need it, I guess. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, especially watching this on a streamer, a crappy streamer, no less, because I saw, you know, watching my dad watch it, it's, I saw the effects. Like, the effects I already thought were good, but they looked even better now because it's in, you know, 4K and all that. So it's, like, this is a great-looking movie. But, like, for a streamer like this where I could easily, like, you know, get distracted or whatnot, I was in. I was in on this whole mm -hmm. thing. Just, like, couldn't, you know... Like a book. I couldn't put it down. Like, I was really into, like, what this movie was selling me. So, no, I was, for, it, it delivers what it wants, you said it, Abe, it, de it delivers exactly what it wants to be, and, you know, it's not more or less than that, it's just, like, a good version of what this could be. And I'm very happy about that fact, and I wish more people would embrace the kind of silly joy that this movie seems to want to deliver, uh, compared to writing it for being dumb. Obviously it's dumb. Like, the time travel thing is very dumb, but it's still the the movie makes it work in a way that I thought was like fun and exciting. And even there, I would argue there are enough deliberate choices that are made in the setup to make me aware that they did put some thought into how this yes. scenario would mm -hmm. work. Yeah, the, um, the the time travel. Now, my mind when I read the synopsis of this, like before I saw any footage, was like. <laughs> People have to go to the past to pick up soldiers to go to the future. And for whatever reason, I'm like, does that mean they're going to, like, medieval times and Mongolia and things like that? They're going to get, like, crazy cool soldiers to make, Bill like... and Ted, that's an adventure? And it's like, what no, it's not that. It's just, like, random dudes and women yeah. like, just like the few, from, like, I mean, 30 like... years ago. But the fact right. that it, but it has a very specific reason why it's 30 years ago. And I like that. I was like, okay, cool. I get what the logic of this is enough there for my for me not to be Bruce Willis of Straws and Looper. Like, I think it does just enough <laughs> to, right. to make that I mean, work. you didn't want to explain time travel anyway. It's going to take too long. Uh -huh. uh, but I, I think that, you know, Scott, you're totally right in that it, um, or, or Aaron and Scott, I mean, we're all on the same page, basically. I'm happy you about, liked it. I was, I thought you were going to be a little more mean. <laughs> no, I, I mean, no, it, it's because, like, again, like, once you get past what they are initially saying, uh -huh. the first few minutes of this movie are kind of, hilarious because like you know let me just show up on a soccer pitch everyone everyone is watching soccer on christmas like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense that's uh, part of charm. that was that was the biggest reach of the movie yeah, everyone's like, nobody in does soccer. this and nobody is this enthralled <laughs> but, in a soccer game. but no like no but like you know the first soldier shows up she's like we're from the it's like she has no like no ominous music it's just she shows up and she's like by the way i've got to explain some things to you and then it just nothing actually happens in the next scene like he just goes back to being a teacher 
And then things started kicking off. I was like, see, I like that they just were like, we're not going to be too self-serious here. And we're not going to be like, you know, too off the wall goofy with it. It just is what it is. We're going to let naturally play it out. And once you get past all that, if you don't buy like the fun factor of it by the time that like, you know, these alien spider weird things are shooting people and grabbing them and throwing them into like railings down a hallway, um, then you're not going to be into the movie. Like you're just gonna be like, this is, this is not, that's not even realistic. What are these things? Like they're just bad guys. <laughs> that's all that they are. That's it. And aliens, that's not even like, I was yeah, like, they're, the, they're, the aliens rock in this movie. Like I really like yeah, the designs. It's, look, it's, they look weird. Yeah. They look, they and look different for what they don't look like another version like of the howler monkeys and, and aliens and Tyrannosaurus Rexes all together. They don't look like another version of Cloverfield monster. Cause I feel like especially as Abrams is so involved with all the aliens. Like it feels like a lot of alien designs that are like hideous monsters for the past decade have all been like, we'll just riff off Cloverfield again. And it's like, this feels like the first one in a while that I've seen where it's like, this looks decidedly different from that. And also it's constantly threatening, whether there's one or a bunch of them, they're always a threat, which I admired for yeah. sure. And there's a point where like a bunch of them go off a cliff and they start flying. I'm like, they can fly. I know. I thought that too. I was like, oh no. It's like, fuck. these guys are fucked. Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, there are problems to this movie, but I, I think overall it's just, you know, if you're in, in with it, you're in with it. And, you know, the problems with it is like, oh, there's only one one uh, alpha female kind of thing. It's like, well, they kind of explain that later, too. So it's not as though it's like not trying to fill its own uh, write in its own plot and flesh it out. I certainly want to ask you guys some questions. Though. Yeah, go for it. I, I'll say about your the, the plot mm-hmm. my issue would mainly be like a lot of narrative convenience, which it's the kind of thing where. You go with it because that's the movie. It, 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 and there's always like two sides of this, right? Where there's like there's the Independence Day side where it's like it happens that we're following Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum who happen to be the ones that can save everything uh, versus right. something like War of the Worlds where you're casually following along with a guy that's just caught up in everything. Granted, mm-hmm. I, part of the reason I'm not huge on War of the Worlds is because by the end he does – become more involved than you would think but regardless i mean there, there it's the this movie kind of fits in that like yeah chris pratt happens to be involved with some very essential parts of what's taking place in this war sure. but you go with it because that's the movie like if you don't that's i mean yeah and it kind of reminds me of like something like world war z where it's like i don't really know who brad pitt character is he's kind of like a secret he's not a secret he's agent always, government he's spy, a war but... photographer that was his thing is that what we're... Yeah, he's a war photographer <laughs> No, wow, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he's Sean Penn in uh, in uh, that one movie with Ben Stiller. Um, except Walter for Mitty. War. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Walter Mitty. Yeah, really Walter Mitty. But I, I think that there's a lot of resemblance in that, well, it's just this guy that we're following here. He's got a certain special set of skills, mm-hmm. so don't take his daughter. Um, and then, you know, just we're going to be off and running, and he's going to be a normal guy. He's not a superhuman, because if he was, then he'd be fighting like an invisible dinosaur. But no, he he's got feelings. He can get hurt. He runs out of bullets. Uh, you know, it, does it have a huge range for Chris Pratt? Not necessarily. But again, I like that it wasn't like a character that he's playing. Like he is better served here character. than Jurassic World. I I agree with I, you. I, I like, he's 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 more in his element in something like this than than yeah. he is as like I can't quite tell if he's Indiana Jones or not in Jurassic World. The, those yeah. movies like and i don't think he's like necessarily terrible in those it's just like the character is fairly ill-defined compared to this guy who 
you know, <laughs> he is the lead, where Bryce Dallas Howard's, like, more sure. ostensibly the lead in those movies. Regardless, Chris Pratt's fine here. Like, he does his job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question I have for you guys is, what do you guys think of the time travel element? Like, I guess we don't really see that in a lot of, like, war movies, which is kind of a neat thing. But then also, like, the rules to it. Because um, we, we sort of talked about, like, what he, what Chris Pratt's character can or cannot do with another character in this movie, like a colonel in this movie. Uh, but then, you know, they kind of, like, just do away with some of the rules later. I like, I, I did, I already expressed like the, the idea that it's like, it's dumb, but it explains it. Like you Scott, you said this too, Scott, like it explains just enough. I'm happy that it explains what it feels it needs to explain and then leaves mm-hmm. out what would just complicate things. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I, I agree. I appreciate that it doesn't dwell on the nitty gritty of its premise but, again, I, I do like the bits and pieces they do give you because, A, it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. B, it makes the story choices more specific. And I'm being vague. You know, first act sure. spoilers. Uh-huh. Um, and, again, it shows that they really did put some thought into, you know, okay, we've got a story where people from the future come to the past to take people to fight a war against aliens. How would that work? Yeah. How would that not work? And okay, this wouldn't work. How do we fix this so it does work? And again, it's it's I, I'm probably giving them too much credit because there's so few movies like this these days. But it was a, a, a sadly unique pleasure to watch a film like this mm-hmm. that seems to be putting that much effort into. And I think part of it is it only has a single credit screenwriter. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that was um, weird. Yeah, yeah. And you know, especially you know. We wanted to do yin yang. I watched this on a you know this, and then the next night I watched the other Paramount screener, Infinite, which ended up oh. going to uh, Paramount Plus because it's so bad that nobody would buy it. Um, <laughs> that's my theory, anyway. Um, yeah, we screened it for a lot of studios, and they said, uh, <laughs> and then we left the room. Netflix is like, is there an apocalypse? No. Is there right. cake? No. No, no, we're good. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this about the time travel thing too. Like, as far as it feel, this is what like Jordan Peele said this about us. It's something I've kind of thought about a lot lately. Where as far as like pe- people will know if you don't know the rules to your own thing. So that's the thing you need to establish. Even if you don't go into the details, you need to like have enough there that people know that you have thought this out. This film does feel like that. Like I'm not getting enough of like all the things that I need to know about how this could possibly work, nor that I really require it because it's time travel and it doesn't exist. But I do feel like it's a movie that knows... Not that we know of yet. Show me the time travelers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) it, It does feel like a movie where if, like, if Zach Dean and Chris McKay wanted to explain how this all works, they probably could. Like, they probably thought about it enough to have a tenuous idea that gets into just enough of the details that are necessary, even if the movie doesn't yeah. expressly show them. Totally. Yeah. I, and I only am curious because like, you know, sometimes like I think you said it best and it encapsulates just if a movie is following its own rules then that's totally fine. Cause like as much as I love edge of tomorrow, there is like that one scene where like they just go see that guy and he just takes an exposition dump. And it's like, no, you see the alpha makes every day return to the same day. It's like, 
I already knew that. <laughs> like, can we just, he's like, oh, but you got to go find it now. It's like, okay, all right, got it. Yeah, there's so. a bit of, if you're not paying attention in the back, uh, logic going on in parts of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's mostly which is, because, which like, is great. Actually, I mean, we love Edge Tomorrow on this podcast. Yeah, we, we do. So but much that so we remember the actual name of the movie. World of Tomorrow? No. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, but going back to, like, the Tomorrow World, the Tomorrow World, uh, the Tomorrow War. That's the George Clooney it, Alien movie. That's the other one. <laughs> coming out soon yeah. yeah but you know scott mentioned it too there's like an emotional core maybe you, you said it aaron there's an emotional core to this too which again did affect me and it's like i i do appreciate that they took the time to say like it's not all about that there's actually this other element and that actually i actually really appreciated the scene where chris chris uh pratt comes back from like an airport um and he's like gonna go back to his house and it's like there's an added weight of like what he's how he's feeling in that scene and i was like mm, I, I dig this yeah, no, I, I mean, it reflects on, again, the casting here. Like, there's, and that's not to say everyone has a lot to do. You have Betty Gilpin as his wife, who just plays the wife. Wife. And I feel like that'd be less of a thing if people, you know, we didn't just come off the hunt where she's, you know, kicking a lot of ass a, in that a movie. Badass. Like, she's yeah. like, that's the whole point of the movie. So it's like, she, now this movie comes out. It makes like, a guy kill himself by shooting, like, a, a ricochet. Yeah. So it's like weird to see, like, the reversion of that, where it's like, now she's just the wife character. But, I mean,. You can, I get like you know, this, that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, this movie's not amazing, but it's doing enough. It just, yeah, it has, it has a, a lot of stock things as far as some sure. types yeah. of this thing, but yeah. Well, how about you get into that? Some of the other characters. I mean, we haven't talked about J.K. Simmons at all, but J.K. Simmons, <laughs> who do you, do you just walk around with like a cut off, who's just super swole in this movie, like. <laughs> It's like, you know, little J.K. Simmons goes a long way, and then they're like, yeah, but what if we had more? And then they do have more, and it's like, I'm very happy there's a lot more J.K. Simmons in this movie. <laughs> like, it's, it, there's, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where in a lesser movie or with lesser actors, this would just be a lot really hokey. But for this yes. movie to incorporate multiple layers of family-related drama within its action, I was quite pleased with how it managed to do that. I think that stuff worked pretty well. Yeah, I don't know if I would say like yeah. I was pleased. I'd say like I'm, I was surprised by it. But yeah, go ahead, Scott. Well, no, I, 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 it develops that relationship exactly enough so that. And again, I want to avoid spoilers yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. There are multiple emotionally satisfying conclusions to that arc, right? And I don't know which one they're going to go with, and I'm invested in which what choice they make. Yeah, yeah, that was actually really clever. I don't know about clever, but it was just an interesting uh, third act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is how I know that they thought about the script and what they thought about, uh, like, the movie is because there's a scene in the third act where there's a scene of, oh, well, he, uh, Chris Pratt might have done something. He might have completed the, the entire movie. And then, like, the, the main bad does something, and I was like, that's logical. And also, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, no. Uh, and I was like, uh, this is a, this is really clever that they they made me think that, oh, this is how these movies usually end. And they're like, no, fuck you. Like, we're not ending here. And That's I was like, something this I was, is pretty cool. I was thinking about this with Independence Day also. I really like when these movies stack the deck against the characters that we you know presumably care about. Like mm -hmm. in Independence Day, when you find out that the little ships also have shields. It's like, what are these guys gonna do to solve this problem? Like this, like there's nothing we can do here. Like how are the we? The missiles don't this? work. The missiles don't work. Uh, so it's like, so this movie 
it really stacks that like you are (laughs) there's not an immediate solution i can think of when i'm like getting through some of this movie and i'm like good job movie because i'm like i'm invested based off of the way you're putting this out there and so by the time you get to yes the end where there's you know, there's a, there's an inevitable conclusion to this to some degree, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't look easy. <laughs> I, was, no, I like that. I, I like that it, it put these characters in this situation, and it, it doesn't, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, we talk about character development or whatnot a lot. It's like, you know, there's movies where you just don't need that much. Like, you can go really off of primal emotions and really basic stuff to get across what you need to, because at the end of the day, you just don't want to see good, you know, seemingly good people die. And I think this movie knows how to accomplish that, but it does give you like fun people like Sam Richardson. I mentioned already, who's having a bang up week with this and werewolves within. Yeah. Um, like, uh, he is, he, I think he's really good in this movie. Also, especially like Sam Richardson. He's not a guy you think of. This guy's going to be running, you know, sprinting across battlefields of Chris Pratt in a war movie. And it's like, right. this guy's fucking killing, kicking ass like this. Well, like, I mean, there's like even a part where he's like super stoic and I'm like, is that even Sam Richardson? Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was kind of like, <laughs> Oh wow. Like, Good He's job. clearly the comic relief when they give him enough of a tragic, you know, a, a they do. You know, yeah. tragic backstory so that, you know, it matters. There's and it doesn't even come out all at once. It yeah. comes out yeah. in parts. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? And Edwin Hodge is, you know, he's the counterbalance to that. And I think he works well. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's giving you, especially when you've learned more about him, like, there's, like, very clear reasons what's going on. And it's like it's a nice like set of people they have for Chris Pratt to be like interacting with as he's you know in the future or you know in <laughs> alien fighting boot camp <laughs> to learn about what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, I I, uh, I certainly liked uh, the side characters. I kind of liked how they they were there enough for you. I mean, Aaron, you mentioned it at best, which is like Mike Miller, Mike Miller, Mike Mitchell, Mike Mitchell, yeah, uh, and also uh, Marilyn uh, Rashka. Rashka, and I was like. They're in there enough, but also they're not in there a lot for you to be like, okay, cool. You know, like I, it, they're, they're going to get picked apart one by one. These characters are going to become tropes. And it's like, nope, they're just, they're just there, man. They do, they, the, they do the right job as far people. as, yeah, as far as showing that they need people and they pick people that, yes, you recognize them and it's generally for comedic things. Although Mary mm-hmm. Raskov was like the co star of 24 for like four or five yeah. seasons. So it's, it's like, it's not like she's, yeah. yeah, but, um, it's giving but they feel like civilians without being like overdoing it on oh my god we're helpless versus you know they're just like yeah they're there they're there with everybody and it's it's good like it does that well (laughs) did you guys watch this all in one go or did you guys have it in parts i watched watched it one go yeah i watched it one go and again Uh, on like uh the evening movie i I watched we watched it on screeners and yeah it wasn't like you know screeners are they you know, you do what you can. Like it was an HD-ish mm-hmm. screener, and it looked, but but I even then I could still tell the money's here. Like you know, there's yeah. there's a lot on there's a lot on the screen. Yeah, there, it definitely looks expensive from the explosions and locations to just like how they shot things. There's a um, set piece set on like a a base. I won't go too far into detail, but like things happen and not for the better. And it's like this looks huge. Like, <laughs> like what's happening here? I was I was very impressed with like the scale. Of this whole You're thing. talking about an island or like a, a flotilla? Yeah, the flotilla thing. Okay, right? got it. Like, yeah. There's a lot happening like, right here. Right, yeah. There certainly is a lot happening. I want to ask you guys about um, – we talked about the aliens there for a second there. But just the overall, I guess, approach to you first seeing the aliens because like Mike's like, you don't see it all that? And I was like, I hope that they're, they're not giant spiders because uh, <laughs> I would have been really freaked out by that. But – 
uh, yeah. What'd you guys think about like the the alien creature design? Yeah, I guess they were scary they're, enough. Yeah, they're they're like rat spider things that on me- on meth, like <laughs> they're like tweakers. <laughs> like they just like I like I mentioned, they you know if there's one or a bunch of them, it's threatening either way, and that's mm-hmm. that's you know that's what I I want to see out of something like this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like xenomorph logic. Like if there's one xenomorph, then it's not good. If there's a bunch of xenomorphs, it's really not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not great. I also liked how um, nobody is safe. Like, not even nobody. No species is safe. Because there's, like, this overhead helicopter shot where it's like, look, there are these horses. Oh, no, where did the horses go? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like that the, the aliens, their motivation is just they want to eat humans, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it's quiet place logic. It's yeah. Like, yeah. These yeah. guys are just jerks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Decimated the entire world just to be jerks. What if that was their? Yeah. What if that's their backstory? If you get to like their mothership or whatever the hell, and it's just it one, certainly like, seems like it's, just, it's just it's just one big one. It has a chalkboard and it points. It's like guys, look, these things on this other planet we found. Let's just get rid of them. They're like, gotta all right, go. <laughs> yeah, gotta go. <laughs> what are we gonna do when we finish? I don't know. We'll leave. Or whatever. That's 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 day two. We'll, day we'll one, we're getting leave. rid of them. <laughs> we'll drink all their water and then we'll go. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get their natural resources. I guess that's what we did with the last planet. We could. I mean, we could use more. All right, get in the ship. Yeah, but you know, uh, what's cool about that is like there's actually more layers to them too, which again goes to these guys. The writer definitely knew what he wanted to do, and it was kind of actually kind of logical to some degree. Um, and yeah, there's like a central elements going on it's not quite like it's not quite starship troopers because there's no metaphor here where there is right there. there is there scott do you think there's like a do you i think, think there's a, a loose global warming metaphor that, that's kind I, of the yeah feeling, same way that hey yeah. you know the same way the monsterverse movies are just by default mm-hmm. <laughs> but i um, but it's not you know like like starship yeah, troopers I, is a I screen on fascism where this is like not yeah, that. <laughs> i don't want to bag too much on other critics but i think People are trying to find an evangelical message that I don't think is really there. Name name, Scott. I no, will not. Just, just I know what I like. <laughs> um, again, I, I think people, I think, are reading a bit much into Chris Pratt being the leading man in this film. In the same way that I was a little befuddled, you know, eight years ago when everyone seemed to think that After Earth was some kind of Scientology screen because Will Smith was in it. Mm-hmm. But... But yes, the short version, I think there's some, you know, climate change shit, but otherwise it's a movie is the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've got 30 years, guys, to reverse climate change. (laughs) We're duped. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the Tomorrow War? I'm trying to think of anything else that's worth noting. Was this going to ever be released in theaters? Yes. Yeah. They they had plans for it. It was going to come out December last year. That sucks. Yeah. It really does. It does. I would have yeah. loved to see this on the big screen. <laughs> I mean, this between this and Luca, I mean, come on. Bring the, bring the theater yeah, back. We're, we're missing out on some good movies on the big screen. It's a shame. Yeah. Mitchell versus the Machines. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, I'm trying not to make the streamers the bad guys here, but it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Oh. It really is. Um, Knives Out is just him taking the money and i don't blame him i would have taken the money too but i don't have to like it this is true yeah scott i'll send you a check for 20 million dollars after this podcast <laughs> don't it's, it's gonna be future dated though so don't cash it for 200 years <laughs> oh, okay 
Well, no, this is a is a good film. It's a yeah. good old school, big budget, star and concept driven summer blockbustery movie that might have you know that that you know without getting the whole nostalgia train again was very much rooted in the 1990s you know the the mid to late 90s sensibility where a movie like this was an event and and if it was well received i think it would have been 20 years ago um would have been a solid commercial hit uh and it's a shame that today that's not the case Mm -hmm. well with all that said i mean obviously it sounds pretty positive but when should people see this movie it's currently streaming on amazon prime uh as soon as convenient because it's very good yeah i mean like it's it's it'd be like a nice for like end of the week friday movie which it is today so it, it's streaming right now like is it like a, a drop everything see it right now probably not but it is one of those things where it's like yeah whenever you have your first remote you should probably check it out to see if whether you jive with it yeah i mean i i i think if your sensibilities at this time of year are tilted towards blockbuster entertainment this is the movie you'd want to watch like it does the thing that ideally people that you know had fun with other blockbuster spectacles whether it's from roland emmerich or even michael bay like this is in that league like it's doing that thing and it's doing it quite well so i recommend it fully as far as seeing it when you you know have the time to watch an 140 minute movie about chris pratt fighting aliens <laughs> um so yeah no i i i am glad you liked it abe like i <laughs> I, watched, I was curious i i mean i i wasn't i, I didn't really have any pre uh preconceived notions about it i mean so yeah mm. i'm glad it wasn't voyagers yeah. <laughs> okay well uh with all that said let's move on now let's get to abe what um what uh aaron i think it might be time for uh two quick games here oh, shit. scott you are uh you're gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do well. The first game I have here is Chris, 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 or Chris. This is where I'm going to name you guys characters that the four Chrises, uh, Pine, Hemsworth, Evans, and Pratt have played. And if you guys know who I'm talking about, buzz in and tell me who which Chris it is. All right. Here we go. No walking? Uh, no no walking, unfortunately, because I'd have to do the voice, and I haven't really mastered the walking. <laughs> you know. I get that. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, two mice in a bucket. You know, I'm the mouse on top. I, I had this. I goes. had the same exact quote in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one here: King Arthur, Jamie Kane, the kid, Aaron, George, Aaron, uh, Chris Pratt. That is, not, it is not Chris Pratt. No, he was in a movie called The Kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's his character's name, The Kid. Uh, George Whiteside, Craig, The Huntsman, Scott, Scott. I, that must be Chris Hemsworth. That is Chris Hemsworth. Yes. When was he? I, when was he when King, he was King was Arthur? It's his. Uh, it's one of his first roles, TV series, where he's King <laughs> Arthur. It's okay. called the uh, Guinevere Jones in 2002. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. That definitely threw all of us off. <laughs> yeah. Like, Charlie isn't Chris. Next one here. Lonnie Grandy. Tommy Chandler. I don't know why I went Boston there. I don't know either. Uh, Chris. Nicholas Devereaux. 
Aaron. Aaron. I'm gonna say Chris Pine. That is Chris Pine. Yeah, Nicholas Devereaux. Did that throw? Did I give it to you? No, the, diaries? the other one. What's the other? What was the other one? You Chris. That, yeah, Chris. What was the Tommy what, Chandler? Tommy Chandler. Is that the the finest hour? Is that Alan? Mm, no, CSI Miami. I just went with Boston accent for no real reason. Maybe that's what gave it to me because he's like he's in Boston and finest hours. He is. Yeah, they're all they're all New England. Yeah. So the next one here. Devin, Nick Owens, Keenan, Keenan, Branson, Nathan McCain, Che, Cam, Bobby, Barry, Fletcher. Officer Ramon Duda, Cooper, Scott Hatterberg. There's some memorable characters. Cully, Alex Ilhauer, Andy Dwyer, Aaron. Hi, Scott. Aaron. <laughs> Chris You're Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> I was bummed out you didn't get Scott Hatterberg when he when he played the, the first baseman in Moneyball. No, that sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. Uh, and anyone want to guess who the last Chris is? Owen Grady. <laughs> <laughs> no. Star Lord. No. Uh, there's there's one last Chris uh, on this list here, but oh, I, I, I thought you meant the other names you're gonna read no. for Chris Pratt's character. It's because you said a character named Nick Owens, and then he plays a character named Owen Grady in Jurassic World. <laughs> so it is like, weird, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last one is Chris Evans, so I'll give myself that one. Yeah. The next game we have here I is... I want to hear the uh, names! <laughs> <laughs> Rick. Carrie Bastion. Judd. What's Judd? Judd is from The Newcomers. What the hell is The Newcomers? <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie from 2000 and 2000. Ryan, Bryce, Johnny Storm. Okay. Oh, there, you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The next game we have here is called Parental Guidance. This is where I'm going to read you guys some parental guidance from very general to more specific about movies, about future war movies. And if you guys know what the movie that I'm talking about, buzz in, tell me what the name of the movie is. So the theme is all future war movies. That's correct. Yes. Got yeah. It. Okay. The next one here, or first one here. Sorry. 18 uses of fuck. 16 is used in the first 29 minutes, and the rest is used only two more times. Again, general to more specific, so if you guys don't know, that's okay. But I always love pre-guesses. The next one here. People are seen drinking in a bar. Aaron. Aaron? No, 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 never mind. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll do a Hail Mary. Oh, no, Scott, go ahead. Battle of Los Angeles? That is that is incorrect. Sorry. Yes. It's PG thirteen. <laughs> I didn't know. How many fucks in a PG thirteen? He said oh, eighteen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. The next, the next here. The ending is very sad and emotional. That's a parental guidance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The next one here. You can see the Terminator's red eye and the metal skeleton under his skin after the big fight scenes. Okay, so Aaron. Aaron. Would that be Terminator 2, Judgment Day? 
That is correct. I was on the edge of my seat when you're going to foster parents swear all the time that nobody else does yeah exactly that's what yeah, i was trying to think who's swearing so much in that movie <laughs> the, the last clue there was when the police chief goes to get coffee the t-1000 turns his finger into a needle and stabs the police chief in the eye and they're played by twins so you got one and then he stabs the other it's like oh that's fun now <laughs> right. la is so bleak i forgot it wasn't r <laughs> it's a very i mean it's funny you mentioned yeah. that as far as being R and 18, I, I never thought about the number of F-bombs, but yeah, it's pretty much like all at the beginning, and then it's like Sarah Connor says it like twice like later on because she gets pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> at Dyson. 16 of them using the first <laughs> minutes, yeah. You guys are right, those foster parents are kind of dicks, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the next one here. During the shower scene, a woman slaps a bear man's butt. There's just overall lots of blood, so you might just get used to it. But... <laughs> that isn't something you want your child doing, then I don't suggest this film. A man has a hole in his head, and another man Aaron. sticks his finger in the... Aaron. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is correct. <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, parental guidance one is, a cow is eviscerated by a giant uh, insectoid alien, though a censored bar partially obscures it. The scene is still quite gruesome. In parenthesis, the censor bar was intended to be a joke. <laughs> so thank you parents for writing these things uh the next one here just a few more this movie is very hard to watch since it is a lot darker and a lot sadder than the other two movies <laughs> a character appears drunk he frequently drinks from a flask some character Vomit blood or dark blood while being bleeding profusely from the nose. Quite graphic for a PG 13 movie. This is the Koba returns uh, in a couple of scenes looking like a zombie. It is close and detailed. Caesar gets shot Aaron. in the side, and Aaron. <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes is correct. Yeah. How? Koba. The second one's pretty damn dark, if I might even say so myself. <laughs> the second one is like where all the humans die. <laughs> um, two more. A man gears up wearing only his jock strap, then you see bare buttocks through the gear. Obviously, Outlander. <laughs> uh, one instance of fuck not completely finished, four uses of shit, a handful of ass bitch bastard, also one use of for Christ's sake. There is one moment. Mo, there is one moment where a character asks another person if he's been drinking, but the other person has not has been is not drunk at all. Fumble that one. So like a plot hole. I have an idea, yeah. but keep going. The first death of the main character might be frightening to some younger audiences. His face gets melted by an alien's blood. Oh, uh, oh uh, Scott. Okay. Yeah. God. Is that Transformers: Age of Extinction? No. Get out. <laughs> Aaron, do you know, or do you want me to read the I, last? Clip? I mean, I think I do, but keep going. Blasting, pummeling images of war. It's dead and dying clutter the screen, and because of the looping time travel conceit, some characters, particularly Cage and Reader, are seen killed over and over again. Each death slightly a variation of the last. Yeah, that's Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow is correct. <laughs> last one here. A few people are blown up. Two characters drink shots of hard liquor. A character stabbed in the shoulder when he's punched by a blade's robotic appendage. Uh, 
Someone is shot in the ankle. Blood bursts out. Bloodshot gets some injuries. They don't last very long. Bloodshot's hand is sliced open with a knife. Blood pours out. He quickly heals. <laughs> What's the future war in that? Hey, bloodshot. What? what future war? He's got nanomites in his bloodstream. That's not a war. That's just... <laughs> What in the wide, wide world is Xander Cage is this? Bloodshot is the answer to that. Aaron, you have won this week's games Mm. for parental guidance and also Chris, 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 or Chris. Mazel? Mazel. Thank you you for this game. uh, Real quick, I watched Xander Cage. I watched Vin Diesel on Jimmy Fallon for like a bit. He was like, I saw like a five minute clip online. He was so excited to be talking about Fast and Furious and his breakdancing past. That was was nice. (laughs) He he means it. He That's does. Part of his Gonzo charm. I think That's why just... his welcome back to the movies commercial was great. It well, is, but like that was evil. Well, that, yeah, but that commercial. <laughs> I mean, it's so you know the movies, but yeah. like you're watching him on Fallon, <laughs> something I don't watch. I just it was literally yeah. just like it popped up on Facebook. Like, all right, I'll see Vin Diesel. It just like after we were talking about him last week, he's being so like yeah. serious and everything. It's like it's nice to see him like clapping and smiling and just being like a big yeah. goofy guy. It's like good, good for Vin Diesel. I'm yeah. happy he's happy. Good good for a half billion dollars worth of Vin Diesel. <laughs> he is Groot. All right. Well, hey, thank you for that game. You're welcome. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. Now. Let's get some out now. Feed, or feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go to the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com podcast, and we ask a number of questions. Well, no, we didn't get any questions this week. Okay, so just just some feedback from everybody. So here we go. Let's do feedback, this. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> Uh, the first question is, what are your favorite alien invasion films? Chris has Attack the Block, Slither, District 9, Invasion of the Body Sashers, 1978 version, and top of the list, The Thing. Uh, Irene writes War of the Worlds, 1953, Mars Attacks, Edge of Tomorrow, A Quiet Place, and our first episode, Battle Cole in Los Angeles. <laughs> you guys have a favorite alien invasion films? I have to go with ID4 by default. Although I adore yeah. Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, ID4 is very much a, you know, is a perennial favorite of mine as far as, like, I grew up with this movie. I think it's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. That said, there's plenty, like Chris mentioned, like, all the other ones that I'd probably jump to offhand here. Um, yeah. Trying to think. There's, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's good for now. There I you go. Welcome to Earth. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess... <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Ghidorah's from outer space, so I mean, I guess some of these Godzilla movies would factor in here too. Like, so I'll go with like Destroy All Monsters as well. There you go. That act, that does have aliens in it, by the way. Too, so. I mean, there might be a portal underneath the the ocean. Who knows? I mean, Pacific Rim's got a lot going for it too. So. <laughs> All right, who's the coolest veteran actor currently out there? Oof. In reference to this very cool picture of J.K. Simmons I saw for this movie, uh, Chris has Stephen Lang and Fred Williamson. And oops, nearly forgot Helen Mirren. Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes, "Oh, it's Helen Mirren for me." It's a good pick. Coolest veteran actors who are out there. I mean, he's kind of getting up there in age, but he's super cool. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I mean, Sam Jackson's not young. <laughs> no, <laughs> my pick. He looks great for seventy-two, right? <laughs> I think he's aging in cat years. I mean, even Denzel's not young anymore. Like he's, oh, no. So. Yeah, but he looks like a dad in fences. 
coolest veteran actors. Yeah. I guess Michael Keaton at this point, right? Like he's gonna be all you know. Oh man, gran- gran- I guess so. Yeah. Grandpa Batman in the Flash movie. So. Yeah. He's already confronting his existential fear in uh, Birdman. So yeah. Scott, you got me. Ah. <laughs> uh... Richard Dreyfuss. Bob Newhart. Schrecker is still doing well for being like 95 years old. Um, let's see. Sadly, John Hurt's no longer with us. Um, we, we still have uh, Ian McShane. He's, he's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane, not Ian McCallum. Ian McShane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ian McShane. Yeah, you know, five foot four, Ian McShane. <laughs> Um, that sounds uh, right. I'm not surprised by that if he's actually five four. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought it was like publicly known that he's like uh, fairly I mean, uh, shortish I think guy. Antonio Banderas is sixty. Does he count? Probably. I mean, like you know, why wouldn't you count sixty year old Antonio Zorro Banderas? And that's my vote. Oscar nominee <laughs> Antonio Zorro Banderas, I believe <laughs> is correct. <laughs> Thanks for, for including Spongebob, the uh, middle right? name. <laughs> yes, yes, for SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that is question. Name a good action movie squad. Chris has the Dirty Dozen, and I'm hoping the new Suicide Squad. There are Eagle Dare guns of the Navarone. Also, where Eagles Dare slash guns of the Navarone. Mm, action movie squad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the cast of Toy Story 2. Toys are back in town. <laughs> They gotta go save uh the they gotta Buzz. go save uh, they gotta go say, they gotta go say uh, Chris Evans Lightyear. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not going directly to Disney Plus. We'll be talking about that a year from now. <laughs> That's just like Interstellar when the, that the, trailer broke. Is it weird that there's a Toy Story prequel coming out sooner than we've gotten sequels to Toy Story Two and Toy Story Three? I mean, that's like their bread and butter. Uh, weird is one word for it, yes. <laughs> uh, action movie squads. So how about the Jaws crew? They're an action movie squad, yeah, right? Robert, I mean, Robert they, Shaw, they, like, Roy Scheider, and, and Richard Dreyfuss. That's a squad. Yeah, try chumming some of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Spider-Verse <laughs> squad. All oh, the Spider-Mans. Oh, that's a great <laughs> squad. That is a wonderful squad. Yeah. They're, 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 they're a family, basically. It can get uh, weirder. <laughs> <laughs> the Danny and Mission Impossible 5. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Had to go to Dubai for that any, one. Any number of them. They're all cool squads. The Ghost Protocol yeah, squad, yeah. they seem to get the job done. Even Jeremy Renner muscles up and jumps <laughs> into that thing and doesn't yeah. die. <laughs> he was supposed to protect Ethan's wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's got PTSD. He thought that Ethan's wife is yeah, that works out okay in the end. Oh, what uh, a weird thing to say. It's like, hey, man. It's cool. Like, I'm going to let you live with this guilt for like a year and a half before I tell you. <laughs> no, he didn't know him that long. He, uh, <laughs> he just met him. He looked him That's up true. when it started. Yeah. yeah, we don't know how long yeah, Jeremy Renner was out of the field. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, anyway. the squad in uh, The Big Hit at the beginning, because I like that movie, with oh, Mark Wahlberg. The Big Hit! Sorry, wow. but I gotta, I gotta name these people. Ballbag. Mark Wahlberg, Bokeem Woodbine, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond and, Phillips. And, and, of course... Everyone's favorite, Antonio Sabato Jr. That's right. (laughs) Man, the big hit. It's a great trailer. Um, I mean, it's not a good movie, but The Squad and Expendables 3 is pretty awesome on paper. Yeah, because those (laughs) kids, that's, 
that might be the best set of character posters in a movie. <laughs> the Expendables 3 <laughs> character posters. Especially because it has Kelsey Grammer hands in his pockets like, yep, I'm one of these. I'm a part of this. <laughs> Raise your crane. And Harrison Ford being like, Willis quit, so they called me, and I said, sure. <laughs> Man, that guy's going to get paid. <laughs> what? Do you think that's like the most throwaway, like, they gave me money for this role that Harrison Ford's done? It's got to be that or Anchorman 2, oh. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, be yeah. But even Anchorman 2, like, I feel like he's been wanting to do comedy, and that's like, I get a chance to do some comedy. Where yeah. Expendables 3, it's like, I get to sit down in a fake helicopter for a day, and cool. Like, I can go back. <laughs> right back I, can't over. It. I can't crash it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, does he have any other, like, really small, like, brief appearance beyond, like, the Coppola stuff, beyond, like, Apocalypse Now? Like, what else? What other, like, Random. No, he, he didn't. He was generally leading man or bust for a very yeah, long right? time. So, so he doesn't like he doesn't show up for just like throw away nothing roles very often. So like, right. <laughs> but he got a poster. <laughs> he did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you might call the fugitive a throwaway part, but who knows? So fuck no. He should have been a best no, actor I'm nominee for the fugitive. Not, <laughs> that should have been his second he's, Oscar. He's nomination. in the entire movie. <laughs> I, I don't accept this joke slander on The Fugitive, which is a perfect movie. <laughs> that should be our August commentary for God's sake. I mean, sakes. you know, <laughs> if you're going to grow, like, who grows a beard for 20 years? <laughs> it's a big beard. A weirdo. That's who. Last thing about Expendables 3. The great thing about those character posters, it's not even like they're action movie poses or they're in the movie. It's, this is from the photo shoot we did, and we're just using black and white stills of, like, the funnest take for me, more, the yeah. most fun take from each one of them. And then we, then for the main poster, we just put them all together. Like, they're not in the same room. We just combined all the posters. <laughs> they just independently took them, like, in different locations and put them all together. And, and, yeah. and, and there's so many, because there's, like, 20 characters in that movie, so there's, like, so many character posters. <laughs> You could fill up a whole theater. <laughs> you could advertise no other movie but Expendables 3 because of how many posters there were for that movie. Yeah, they really are just like the set photo like shoot day one. Like you think it's Marvel just... has it down, but it's like, no, Marvel's all serious about their posters, except when they're like, here's the cat from Captain Marvel gets a poster. Expendables <laughs> poster, it's like everyone's having a good time. <laughs> These outtakes of them just like hanging around. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what's <laughs> the next question? Just the one where, where, where uh, the the Hemsworth brother dies like immediately. That's the second one. That's the okay. second one. The th the third one is we have new recruits, but they all get kidnapped immediately, and so we need to get the old guys back in the game again. <laughs> <laughs> no, the second one's like it. <laughs> the second one's like, look, we've added people like Chuck, like Chuck Norris and John Claude Van Damme, Norris. also Liam Hemsworth, and it's like, why is he here? Oh, he gets stabbed right in the movie. Very long. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> yes. Like the entire cavalcade of action stars about to get outacted by Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> he he yeah. had a great presence year that year. Like JCBD came out pretty recently. Yeah, it's, it's great. He's, so, he's had a five years. A, yeah. He, I mean, he, he, I'm not gonna say he has a lot of great hits, but like. He's been doing some fun stuff in this cut in his like post action he's star been, years. Yeah, he's been using his his VOD days to sort of brush up, become a better actor. Like it's better than Seagal, that's for damn sure. <laughs> like, I mean, Seagal's like Seagal. trying to become like a. I'm like, better than Seagal. Of state. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, next question: What time traveling movie character would you like to team up with? Chris writes, definitely Bill and Ted. Fun times. 
I mean, that would be the most fun because otherwise we'd have to team up with Aaron and Abe from for uh, Primer. For Primer, and that's not fun at that all. That should be our default answer, just because obviously, but we can't. Just, but but it's like that's not fun either to be Aaron and Abe. Yeah. <laughs> How many other happy time travel movies are there offhand? Marty, Mc, machine? Marty McFly. Yeah. Well, I mean, but even there, he's you know in desperate peril the entire time. You, he like, can't make out. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, Scott, here. you're on the edge of your seat thinking, I hope Marty gets back okay and the back to the future. <laughs> no, no, I, I only ask because when I think of time travel movies, I think of dystopian stuff like Terminator 12, Monkeys, <laughs> yeah, Butterfly. Right. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Right. Yeah, Butterfly effect is like the worst one. Well, I mean, both, both there, because I both because also, I both um, because Ashton Kutcher is in like terrible situations. Also because I hate that movie very much. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there there was a uh, Black Knight. And also a kid in King of the Court. So, yeah, with Rookie yeah. of the Year, Thomas Ian Nichols. Yes, exactly. Zero yeah. percent. <laughs> right. Daniel Craig, Kate Winslet, first movies. Uh, <laughs> is that really? It has zero percent. Zero percent. Not their first movies, but it is zero percent. Kid in King of the Court. How dare they? It's a big zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I would definitely answer the shit what out of that. What are the? Now. Yeah. Now, now this is a, this is a good this is a good question. What are the happy time travel? Yeah, and the hot tub time machine. I guess. Yeah, that's a, that's a happier. What? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just, like, less dark. <laughs> what What are the happy ones? I mean, you're right about Back to the Future, and... Let's see, it's not time crimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not out of time. <laughs> it's not deja vu. Definitely not oh, Looper. The, what was that first found footage one from 2015 that was inexplicably bad? Oh, um... Project Almanac? Yes, Project Almanac. And then yeah, he goes wow. off to making surprisingly good power rangers movie oh that was that yeah that's that same director yeah yeah, yeah. let's see what are the, what are the, what are the fun ones <laughs> your name is your name yet. fun uh it's I also mean, not it's really time it's not really time travel i guess either that's more but it's also like very depressing <laughs> avengers endgame <laughs> i mean is, uh, does black widow come back i don't think so <laughs> the uh the closing credits of deadpool 2 did they time travel yeah yeah cable Vanessa oh, back. that's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not a lot of uh, fun time travel movies. Midnight, uh, mid- uh, midnight in Paris. That works. Doesn't he divorce his wife in that movie? <laughs> no, it's his fiance, and she's not nice. Oh, to him. Okay. and they're not happy in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So, good point. Good point. Well, we may have solved it. Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. <laughs> the happiest one. A guy's the existential, the happiest one, ex- yeah. the existential crisis that leads him to like writing a book and figuring out his love life. It's it's when everybody knew that Owen Wilson was a serious actor. Um, all right. Well, the next question is: What are some great films about crime plots going wrong? Chris has the Lady Killers, not the remake. Killing Zoe and Reservoir Dogs. Todd Liebenau has Quick Change, and Scott Mendelson, you wrote A Simple Plan did time bandits that's fun right <laughs> yeah uh, yeah Does, don't his parents get murdered in the opening scene it's a lot of murder in every time travel movie it about feels like. time i mean that's you know that that one does have basically no bad guy it's just that a dad wants to be with his son and tells him that like time doesn't last forever which is very sad one of scott's <laughs> favorites mr peabody and sherman <laughs> <laughs> that that would be because you know, that would work because the 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 time travel escapades are enjoyable, uh-huh. mm. and that's why yeah I would count Avengers Endgame at least for except for the Black Widow one obviously because they are generally having a good time when they're running around time getting yeah. the stones. 
I mean, Thor gets to make amends with his mom, or not even make amends. He just like gets to tell his mom goodbye. She gives him. Really she fun. gives him great, great advice. That's what happens. Where, there. Eat a salad. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. What was, what was this question again? Crime, uh, crime, crime plots gone crime wrong. Crime plots going wrong. Uh, most Coen Brother movies. <laughs> this is true. Like every Coen Brother movie. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me what happens to William H Macy in Fargo? It goes it goes disastrously wrong. That's what happens to William H Macy in Fargo. So much so that he gets caught in like in his in his boxers and hotel, everything right? bad that could have happened to him happens to him in that movie. I know, and it's like it, you can and, feel and like to those around him, no less. Not to mention, like as fun as that movie is, it you know the bleakness of it is very much apparent. Oh yeah, it's... very much so. The Family Man is not a time travel movie. <laughs> no, it's an alternate. Okay, right. It's a what if movie. Okay, all right. It's a glimpse movie. Got it. Yeah. Okay. The what movie? Family Man? The, the Family Man. The Family oh, Man. Uh, Nick Cage. Yes. All right. Uh, what's the next question, Aaron? Next question we have. What are your favorite films from Benicio Del Toro and Don Cheadle? Chris has Sicario and Traffic for Del Toro and Don Cheadle, the Oceans movies, and Hotel Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I Devil mean, in a Blue Dress. The gun. Devil in a Blue Dress comes to mind right away for Don Cheadle because he's Don, yeah. fantastic as Mouse, among other things. Mm-hmm. Way of the Gun, of course, yes. Way of the right. Gun for Benicio, and also um, uh, Kaiser Kaiser Chose's movie. Usual Chose. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that that you, scene you, where you, like you know they're doing like the lineup kills me every time. You chose both Macquarie movies. There you go. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do. He is great. I mean, he got an Oscar for a reason for traffic. He is great in traffic. Yeah, yeah like, he, he is excellent in traffic. He's, like, he's that, the heart of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that ending is is great. It reminded me of like the ending credits, and that's very it's very nice. That's ending. one of my favorite endings of a movie. The for like yeah. as far as like leading into credits kind of endings. Like I really like that. Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle, favorite films. It's not actually a film. It's like a, a three minute short, but it's when he plays Captain Planet. <laughs> I mean, it's a saga. There's three parts. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's more than three minutes. It's nine minutes. Scott, you got any? You got any favorites offhand for these? Uh, Devil in Blue Dress, Out of Sight. Um, out of Sight. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Hotel Rwanda. I mean, he's never bad. Yeah, he's. I yeah, he's, he's, he's great. In, like, most things, even like cameo role, like Rush yeah. Hour. The the Rush Hour two end credits are what is one of his best roles. <laughs> his name is Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then yeah, I I still love Usual Suspects. Yeah. Um, I think it's along with Go, it's probably you know that and Go are the two best quote unquote pop pulp fiction knockoffs of the nineties. Go <laughs> for sure. Uh, really uh, I was like, is that really Benicio del Toro's voice? Like, how does this guy get work? Uh, and then I was like, <laughs> oh no, he's just a really good actor. Yeah. Just mumbling all those words like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Anyway. And then he started an excess baggage with Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Clueless's own Alicia Silverstone? Yep. Uh, now, then the last question here is, what are your favorite films of the year so far? Which is actually going to bleed into, is this a larger topic, Aaron? If you want it to be. I just, I, I yeah. you know, we are at the midpoint of the year, so I figured right. <laughs> might as well ask this question. Yeah, well, uh, some of the submissions, Luke has Zack Snyder's Justice League, four hours long. Uh, Chris has Psycho, uh, Psycho Gorman. Godzilla vs. Kong and A Quiet Place 2. So uh, I'll open up to you guys. Uh, do you guys have any top films of the year so far? Uh, Mitchell and Machines for me. 
I um I made a list, which is at Wii's mm-hmm. of Entertainment, but I will say I'll just rattle off my top five. It's um yeah. it's Godzilla versus Kong. Is for five down. Godzilla versus Kong, Mitchell's versus Machine, uh, In the Heights, Summer of Soul, which is out now on Hulu and in theaters, and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is my favorite film of the year so far. Judas and the Black Messiah was released 2021. February. Wow, I would have to include that there too. Uh, I have a few of them. Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, uh. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which I thought was fun. And definitely Luca. I've seen that like four times already. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I'm glad you're enjoying Luca. It is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy breezy, leave it on the background, but also the plot is not very heavy. That's true, because I can't like leave Mitchell's on in the background, because it's like, it's so layered where it's like, I just wanted yeah. to find more jokes, because <laughs> there are there. <laughs> where Luca, you could probably, yeah, you probably easily could just put it on and be like, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, you mentioned Mitchell's versus the machines. Uh, anything else? Oh, uh, Mitchell's machines. Um, Luca, I'm growing fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomorrow War. I, mean, I, I guess all it's one of my favorite. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, granted, the big movies haven't been all that super duper, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, 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 what's it called? Shit. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, Riders of oh, uh, Riders of Justice. Yes, oh. Riders of Vengeance. Yeah, sorry. That's, that's, in, the, that's in my top ten for sure. That one's really. Yeah, good. that one's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, those are the ones that come to the top of my head offhand. There you go. Yeah, right. Judas very much in the in the this year. In I, I, I that one is a twenty twenty just to be. I mean, the Oscars don't run my life. Like, I'm not going to die. I, know, I, saw, that. <laughs> I like, saw that status as well. Well, that's the case. Then Minari is part of 2021, too, then, right? I mean, because... The, the, you know what? Yeah. If that's what we're playing, then fucking Barb and, Barb and Star go to Del Vista or whatever. <laughs> I love that movie. Go to yeah, let, me, let me also throw in One Night in Miami, which is also an excellent movie. I mean, for the... I mean, my, my, the only, I'm not saying you're wrong. My separation yeah, is yeah. like... You know, the Nomadland and that, Minar- like those toured festivals heavily. So, and they like that to me, like it rules them out in that regard. But yeah, like they were yeah. technically released, although they had like a they had like a virtual premiere, whatever, whatever the case. Like I I can see considering them as 2020 movies, where Judas and the Black Messiah wasn't in any festivals. That came out in yeah. February, so it's like yeah, mm-hmm. all right, that's that's a 2020 movie to me. Even like Barb and Star, that came out in February, right? Not March, it's February. Uh, so it's like, yeah, like uh, just because the Oscars chose their wacky time frame, that's not gonna shape like what movies came out when. Like I, I know what I, I know what I'm. They lost Steven Soderbergh. It wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mr. Hollywood. We all know this. <laughs> but there's some stuff. That, you know, I, I'll shout this one out too. Bad Trip, because that's on my top ten. Bad Trip, I think, yeah, is, is hilarious. Those, that's good. It, I need to catch up with that one. It, it's not. It's not just that it's hilarious. It's that. Compared, well, I I mean the plots regardless. It's that compared to Borat, which I you know I don't I'm not against, but it's that the Borat movies are like let's show how like ugly America can be. Where Bad Trip's (laughs) like we're gonna do these pranks and they're gonna be isolated funny on their own, but the people involved in them genuinely care about what's happening and want to like help. And it's so (laughs) interesting to watch like people reacting in ways that are positive as a counter to to like what the Borat movies show you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a it's a matter of the demographic areas that Eric Andre and Lil Ra Howery are exploring versus the areas that Sasha Baron Cohen is exploring. But if you're going to do another hidden camera prank movie, I'm glad that it's not just more of this. It's actually taking both Eric Andre's extreme sense of humor 
and combining that with a weird sense of heart <laughs> that I did not see coming for that movie. So. And it's just hilarious. It's it, yeah. it killed me in the, like the first twenty minutes alone. I was like, I haven't laughed this hard at a movie in a very long time. Uh, and then Mitchells and Machines came out, and I was like, God, I'm getting a lot of good comedies right here. Yeah, so. all those Furbies. Another one that was supposed to go to theaters. Yeah. I know. Mitchells, that Furby thing, pain only makes me stronger. I think about multiple times a week because it cracks <laughs> me up. I also love his like ending line. It's like, I go back into the darkness for slumber. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. All it's so good. Yeah. Well, there's a specificity to those jokes that, that, that yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, I mean, we're coming up, you know, I know Ward and Mitchell didn't do it, but they produced, but, like, they got, they won me when they did the welcome to Mooseport joke at the end of Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs. Like, that is the, <laughs> it was the most random thing they could have done. And they had it. So ever since then, it's like, well, I don't need to be sold on them. I'm sold on them all the time if they're involved in something. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was, uh, well, that, that was, was our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And. Uh, yeah, feel free to shout, shout out some more best of the year so far films for us if you, you know, listeners want to chime in because of course. It, it's nice it's nice hearing positive things about the things that did go right as far as movies go as far instead of just complaining about things all the time. So it's a nice change <laughs> of pace. Uh, but with that said, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodyseek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at wisewithblue.com for Blu-ray reviews and We Live Entertainment for movie reviews. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Try more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, did you just say die? <laughs> should have did that sooner. I should have added that to the other hashtag. Scott Mendelson, where can people find more of you online? Uh, Forbes.com. Uh, just Google Forbes, Scott Mendelson, the ticket booth. My Twitter handle is at Scott Mendelson. And if you want to gawk at my family photos, I'm on Facebook, too. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash outnowpodcast or Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And some photo shenanigans over at Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Scott Mendelson, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Scott, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Great to have you on, of course. We'll have you back soon enough, I'm sure. Probably, probably a commentary that we're going to record in a few days. <laughs> and you know what, Scott? I'm going to go to the movies just so that I can make your job easier. Wait, what? Reporting on the box office, buddy. Oh, Spending oh. those box office bucks for Mendelssohn's memo slash Forbes senior contributor, <laughs> Scott Mendelssohn. But uh, yeah, that is... memos, that's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. <laughs> That is, Why, that, of course, he's me! <laughs> that is... <laughs> that is gonna do it for this week's episode. Next week we're talking Black Widow, so get ready, the MCU's back. For whatever that's worth. But, uh, but till next time, so long. And goodbye. Ow, darling, man.